Welcome to the Dr. April Jasper Show, relevant conversations for business owners of today. Welcome everyone. I'm so excited to be back with you. And this is a really interesting time for us. Carol and I have been talking about doing this for a long time, but let me introduce you to Carol. Carol Quinn is the CEO of Higher Authority. And Carol, I just want you to know how much I appreciate your time and and being here to share your expertise with all of our listeners. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm excited to be here. So one of the things I told Carol I was going to surprise her with was a little bit of the history of how we first met. So the part she may not know is that I first heard about her when reading, I just happened to have it, this book, The Customer Rules, which is written by Lee Cockrell. And Lee Cockrell, interestingly enough, retired executive vice president, Walt Disney World, Mm -hmm. and best-selling author. He not only wrote The Customer Rules, but also the book Creating Magic. But what I loved about it, Carol, I was reading it, and I'm... I mean, we've always had the problem of hiring the right people. That's never been not an issue in life. But as I'm reading it, he said, and this quote just blew me away. He said that your book, the book that I'm speaking of is motivation-based interviewing. Up oh, here I happen to have it too. He said it was the best book ever written on the topic of interviewing and hiring. So then I read it. Then I actually did your web-based training, and I loved it so much that I called you up and I said, hey, I want to bring David. So David and I both went to the live training, and two of our friends went with us. Not only did we do the training, but then we did the train the trainer. I remember. Oh, my goodness. So that was 2014, and I will tell you the rest is history. So, Carol, you changed my life. You made a difference in our practice, our business, and I will forever be grateful. Thank you. You're welcome. I've been to your practice, and your employees are exceptional. Good. So it's working. (laughs) You know, what we want to do, though, here, we're going to have a two-part series for you. So when you uh, feel like it's over, but, oh, my goodness, we didn't get all the answers, make sure you jump into the next one. But part one, I told Carol, I want to talk about the problem. So this crisis, I call it a crisis. I think many people would in hiring and interviewing. So Carol, tell our audience, let's start with how this all began for you. Well, it it began a long time ago. In retrospect, as a kid, I could probably look back as an adult and see that I had a passion early on, an unusual passion for what makes people tick. I remember the first time I went to a big mall, my girlfriends wanted to go shopping at Learners. Oh, I remember Learners. (laughs) I wanted to go sit at the center of the mall where there was a fountain and watch people go by. And I was intrigued by the demeanor of people, how some people looked slouched and lacked self-confidence and others walked confidently and I just was intrigued with that difference between people. Little did I know when I grew up I was going to have that same passion with a whole lot more intensity and I got into human resources and I specifically gravitated towards recruiting and interviewing and hiring. Found out that I loved it, found out I was very good at it, but just like A lot of interviewers, you win some, you lose some, and those lose sums, those bad hires, they can be devastating. I'm not talking about those average hires, but the miss hires. And, you know, I didn't have a ton, but I I wondered the question that begged to be asked and probably the question that really 
was the foundation of motivation-based interviewing being created was if you can hire somebody great one time, why can't you do it every time? Or why can't you do it with much more consistency? What is it that you're seeing when you hire somebody who's just an extraordinary great hire, a high performer, that you're missing when you have a bad hire or even an average hire. I'm not even a big fan of average hires either. (laughs) So I knew we hadn't figured it out yet because I had been through all of the training that I could get my hands on, on how to hire well. And I would sit in the front row and take notes and I was in a job where I could go back and implement it. And sure, I would hire somebody great, and, but I'd still also have those average hires. And, yeah. and it wasn't just me. I was in charge of a lot of supervisors, managers, and district managers who were interviewing and hiring. And those hires were even more important because those were frontline employees. And all of those people who were interviewing and hiring they wanted to hire somebody great too. And you're going through the same interviewing process and taking the same amount of interviewing time, you know, relatively speaking, to hire a high performer as you do to have an average performer or, you know, a bad hire. So one of the things I started doing was um, to answer my questions that I posed was I started reading books and books and books on performance, um, what made the high performers the high performers. I looked at research, psychology, motivation. Uh, I got my hands on a out of print book, which meant it took me six weeks. I think I've told you this story. It took me about the time $85 to get one (laughs) copy printed without a cover, just a piece of paper on it of, uh, Herbert Lefcourt's Locus of Control, because I, I discovered that tidbit, yep. and I needed to research it. So uh, while I was at a pool at an apartment complex where I lived in Atlanta, and I noticed all the other ladies at the pool on the weekend had their Cosmo magazine <laughs> opened up, um, I had my highlighter in hand, reading and rereading Herbert Lefcourt's Locus of Control and trying to make my way through understanding the empirical data of this research. But what I got out of it was um, really the power of attitude and how much of a huge role it plays when it comes to hiring. And I knew right then and there that that was a big piece that was missing in the hiring process because we had been taught you hired somebody for skill and you hired the person with the best skill the greatest skill the skill that best matches your job opening and you'll have the best job performer and the problem is that works sometimes and it doesn't work other times so i knew it had to be more than just skill but When I figured out how to add attitude into the interviewing process, I still knew there was something missing because you could shoot holes in it. If you had somebody who had the skill or you taught them the skill and they had this right kind of attitude and I was able to uncover that in the interviewing process, 
that meant they they had this attitude they could do the job but what if they just didn't like doing it and you see that all the time in the service or customer service industry you have people who are absolutely indifferent about serving customers and it's not an attitude it is a a type of passion a servant's heart to really in your bones want to please customers and want to go that extra mile so really motivation-based interviewing was a combination of a lot of research a lot of books there was no one book that had the magic formula but with my passion and experience in recruiting and interviewing i saw how these pieces could come together and i developed the interviewing method around it and then i tested it and for two years. Wow. And validated, tracked the data, and I still had trouble with it. And I, I, I don't know if I doubted myself or thought it was too good to be true, but what I realized was um, it was too simple. I mean, it wasn't this complex, hard hard to wrap your head around interviewing method that took three hours. It was no extra interviewing time and common sense. And, and I just thought that's wrong <laughs> because if something is going to be so much better, so this is it, so excited that I saw the data and it was working that it had to be complex or somebody else should have thought of it sooner. Right. And here it was in my lap. Wow. And I did all the work to, to go after it and figure it out. And then I realized this wasn't just for one company or one wow. industry or one everything. I realized that, you know, the problem that every single in- industry has is human capital and how to get the right people on board, or as Jim Collins to say, uh, get the right people on, on the, bus the bus. And in the yes. right seat. <laughs> and in the right seat. Yes, absolutely. So uh, MBI really became um, my passion, yeah. which really was already started. Sure. But once I realized that it was just the way every interviewer yeah. should be, you know, interviewing, then Everything changed. Everything changed. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacU Health with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. You know, so your book, and that's what's I think really incredible, and I was going to ask this later, but I'll ask you now. Has it changed since then? So you wrote the book. Mm-hmm. This is the training that everything's based on what's in this first book. And does it still work? 
Oh, it, it absolutely still works. That is the second edition ah, of okay. the book. <laughs> All right, that was uh, that was an anniversary edition, and that is published by SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management. Wow. So they picked up that edition. And, you know, it has not changed. The core principles are exactly the same as it was developed. What has changed is over the years after teaching it and teaching it and teaching it, you just figure out better ways to say it or more things you want to add or a clearer way of saying it or you expand on it like um, uh, how to implement it into your organization or where mistakes can occur and how to avoid those mistakes but the core is exactly the same. So let me ask you a question. There could be people out there if they are I don't understand how they could think it but it's okay we'll just go with it. There could be somebody out there who thinks it doesn't matter. So help me to paint that picture of why hiring the right person really does matter and how big the problem is today of hiring the right people. Well, that's a great question. I'm not sure if people, I think most people get that hiring is important. Uh, I think where, where the breakdown is, is some people think that employee engagement or training or coaching can transform a bad hire into a high performer. So hiring becomes so important because we have no known way to make a bad hire a great hire or a great performer. So I think that's, I think for anybody who's been in management or ownership who've hired and had to supervise people they know the time waster the time and and money in recruiting in training in supervising in trying to save somebody that they might otherwise like Uh, they're not going to be able to measure most of the time the damage to the customer that oh yeah you know it's, it's an intangible cost and, you know, a lot of times organizations and companies, they spend money to bring people in to advertise and market. And then when that customer gets ticked off <laughs> and leaves, yeah. they have to get new customers. Right. So I think we know the core that hiring is right. And I also know that when you've had the taste of exceptional employees, the exceptional employee yeah. is the dependable person, the one you can go on yeah. vacation and know the business is going to still run smoothly as if you're still there. And when your back is turned, they're still gonna do the right thing. It's not just going above and beyond, it's that reliability, it's that uh, they, they believe in your goals yeah. and help grow the organization. But you get the wrong people, you can't really ever take a vacation because if you're yeah. gone, you probably are either getting phone calls or emails or you're calling in to check and put out fires. So it that right, yep. those right people, really, you cannot be a great company with bad hires or even average employees you just can't period so do you feel like carol that and i think this is a concept too that a lot of 
doctors who are owners and are doing the hiring themselves, they feel, I mean, they're, they're so nice. So they're nice people overall. That's why they're doctors. And so I think sometimes they just feel like they made the mistake or they're not doing a good enough job training. They feel like the problem is them, which makes it, like you said, very emotional because then you have a, a person who's not doing a great job. I think it's important for them to understand, is it them, number one? Is it a bad thing if they have to, and do they ever need to move people out to bring the right people in? And that's, I think, something that when I was in your course, I remember going through a period of time in that training that day where I was in tears. Like, I had no clue. I have been doing this all wrong. I, I was in tears partly because I was upset with the fact that I had failed, but I was also in tears because I was excited that finally I had a new path I could take. And so the question, let's go back to the question. Do you feel like, how, how do you help doctors and other people that are listening to this that are hiring to feel better about the fact that, you know what, you may have done it wrong in the past. It's okay. It's not you, but it is you. <laughs> so now you can make it different. You can make a change. Power is always within. Yes. So in one aspect, it is them. Yes. In the aspect of they own being properly trained and educated as interviewers. They need to know how to conduct an effective interview. Yep. And they need to be able to correctly identify the high performer who is not always obvious. Your gut may not even give you the signal, this is the higher, this is the higher. Your gut can say, this is the higher, and it's a bad higher. <laughs> so they own that. Now, I don't know really any interviewer who just jumped in and was magnificent and effective to start with. So it doesn't matter the past, put the past behind you, it doesn't matter. Uh, what you have to do is go forward. And when I say power is within, the power is within you to change your own results. Your power is not within you to change somebody else's behavior. Yes, I love that. And that's the difference. You can coach, you can counsel, you can inspire, you can discipline, you can do all those employee engagement tactics. And the truth is some people will change, but they own the changing because they have to do the work and stick with it and do that change. But you have people who won't change either. Yeah. And you have those people yeah. who will change only when you're watching. <laughs> so what would you like to do? Keep your interviewing skill level at a deficit. Okay have some hit and miss hiring results because even untrained interviewers can have some great hires once in a while, all right? You know, and then hope for the best, right? And then put all your time, energy, and money focused in on trying to change, transform change your bad hire, or, or would you rather start hiring better now as your next hire you know, when you need it. I remember some organizations, I've worked with them, they're going, well, next year we'll look at this because we'll look at our, our budget. And I go, well, are you hiring between now and next year? And they go, yeah, we have lots of hires. I'm going, so you really want to keep doing what you're doing between <laughs> now and next year and then look at improving hiring now that you already recognize that hiring is a problem for you. I don't get that. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what we're hoping that everybody listening gets a better idea of is number one, yes, we all agree there's a problem. I think part of the reason we uh, just keep on going the way we are is because they may not have known 
that there is information out there that they can have access to. They don't so, know what they don't know. Exactly. So we're going to close out, I think, here with just a better understanding of, yes, there's an issue. We all need help. Carol's got some great tools uh, that you can have as, as resources. And we mentioned the books. You know, anybody who listens to the podcast knows that I read all the time. These are great to read. Don't feel bad if you uh, start to read them and feel guilty. That's going to happen. And I'm okay with that because that'll inspire you to change. And then join us on the next podcast because we're going to talk more now about the solution. So I told you at the beginning, we're going to talk about the problem. The next time we're going to talk about the solution. So Carol, thank you so much for joining me today. If you suffer from dry, scratchy, irritated eyes, the problem may actually stem from your eyelids. Cleansing eyelids daily is essential for maintaining healthy eyes, which is why doctors recommend OcuSoft Lid Scrub Allergy Eyelid Cleanser. New OcuSoft Lid Scrub Allergy removes oil, pollen, and other contaminants from your eyelids to effectively reduce redness, irritation, and itching caused by seasonal allergies. These pre-moistened wipes are easy to use, on the go, or at home. Simply wipe and leave on. As the industry standard of care, OcuSoft has a full line of eyelid cleansers for various conditions. Available through eye care professionals, most retail outlets, and Amazon.com. Visit OcuSoft.com for more details.